You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Eddie Tilly. Yes, good morning, good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Man, was that not an awesome worship set? Dog, God, speaking of being generous, I mean, y'all do realize those are all volunteers up here, right? I mean, those are all, vol- and y'all do realize they don't just show up Sunday morning and sing like that. Like all during the week, they're coming up and crafting just that perfect set that's going to work well together. And then they come in here uh, one night during the week and they rehearse it and they practice it. And they don't just rehearse and practice a song. They really do it in a way to say, man, is there like, is there, is there like something on this? Because we want something to be honest. I'll tell you what, there was something on that. That was just so, so good. And speaking of our generosity series that we're in right now, thank you guys so much for being generous with your tithes and your offerings. Every week, we just sort of acknowledge the fact that you guys are faithful in your giving. And some of you give here in the room. Some of you do it by text to give. Some of you do it uh, online. I personally, I do it through our cathedral app. Um, It doesn't matter how you give. It's just wonderful that you acknowledge that dependence that God is your source. That's what tithing is all about. Tithing is all about saying, you know what, God, I'm not the source of what comes into my home. You are. You're the one that provides for me. I don't, I don't, you're the one that gives me the health. You're the one that gives me the ability. You're the one that leads my steps. And so it is a trust issue. And so thank you guys for trusting God with your tithes and offerings. And we just appreciate that so much. All right, full disclosure, how many people woke up this morning and you had to go say, where is the stretchiest pair of pants I got and the loosest fitting top? That would be me. I don't know if anybody else is in that category, but man, yesterday I was laying around the house uh, watching football and just thinking, am I going to be able to fit into an outfit tomorrow? You know, luckily we put out that thing saying, hey, wear some comfy clothes because this is about as comfy as it gets right here. I'm enjoying that. And speaking of college football, What a day yesterday. What? I don't know if you watched the whole thing, but when you just when you just started off with the Michigan game, Michigan and Ohio State, that I mean, what a way. And you're thinking, man, this weekend's gonna be phenomenal. And then you're looking at Washington and Washington State, and you're watching Florida and Florida State, all the rivals. I mean, they're going at it neck and neck. It's just got you. And then the Alabama Auburn game. Oh, I don't know. There's probably not a single Auburn fan in the room today. I don't know if they could have come today. I, I would be so heartbroken if I wasn't, and we all need to be praying for that little fella that stepped back to make the fair catch. I mean, pray the Lord bless him because I don't know what, how he's going to live with that or what he's going to do with that. Then we get to the Clemson-Carolina game. Yeah, go ahead and applaud. I'm going to tell you what, worst game of the day. Wake me up when it's over. I mean, I'm all jacked up. I'm excited. And then about 30 minutes in, I'm just, I'm, I'm going out. I'm dozing off. I mean, hey, I get, hey, half of you are happy, half of you are sad. But I think we could all agree, pretty anticlimactic, right? Yeah, not a whole lot of life, not a whole lot of energy in that game. But hey, we can't have it every year. I'm sure for the people that were live in the stadium, it was phenomenal. So I was trying to figure out a way to kind of ease into today's message because, you know, we're, we're wrapping up our generosity series, and then next week we're starting Christmas at Cathedral. And I got to thinking about leftovers, Thanksgiving leftovers. Anybody get creative with their leftovers? I thought about that because Dave was telling me about this dish that he had that sounded amazing. So I just Googled yesterday. I'm like, 
creative things to do with your Thanksgiving leftovers. Man, there's some stuff out there. There's some good stuff out there. Let me, let me give you a couple of them. How about this? Fried stuffing bites with cranberry sauce pesto. So you take your stuffing and you, and you put it into about a tater tot-sized bite and you deep fry it. And then you just dip that in a little cranberry sauce pesto. How about this one? Leftover mashed potato pizza. Take your pizza dough. No pizza sauce. No pizza sauce. Mashed potatoes. And then put whatever toppings you want on there. Bake it to your desired crispiness, like it says on the back of the box. How about this one? Thanksgiving egg rolls. Yeah, man, just shred up the turkey, take a little bit of stuffing. You know, maybe you got some Brussels sprouts or some green beans you want to chop up, put it there, roll them up in that nice little, whatever that little thing is called, and boom, deep fry it, dip it in your favorite deep frying sauce. This one I had to save the best for last. And this one, I'll be honest, this was on the website. However, this is the one Dave told me about that a friend of his did that was just like, make your tongue just slap your brain out. Leftover stuffing waffles. Whoever that person was is here. <laughs> so you take your stuffing, you put it in your waffle iron, smash that bad boy down, get that nice crispiness on both sides, pull it out, and then what do you top it with? Some mashed potatoes and gravy. Mmm. Mmm. That's just good stuff right there. I don't care who you are. That is good stuff. So there you go. Many different ways to enjoy your leftover Thanksgiving dinner. Okay, so here's what we're going to be doing today. I got to thinking about it. I was like, okay, we're in a generosity series, and we're heading into Christmas at Cathedral, and we just had Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving, I immediately thank leftovers because you eat them for about three months. So, you know, they're just always sitting there in the fridge. So I thought, hey, we've had some phenomenal generosity messages in this series. Pastors Luke and Dave did an absolutely amazing job with their messages, and I highly encourage you, go back and watch them if you missed them. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pull out a little leftovers from the Dave and Luke messages because they're so daggum good, and then I'm going to blend it with a little bit of Christmas. So we're going to have us a little sort of leftover anticipation message for today because when you think about it, we're, we say we're wrapping up our generosity message. What is Christmas all about? Generosity. It doesn't get any more generous than that. If we look in John 3, 16 and 17, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's as generous as it does not get any more generous than that. You can't be any more generous than that. And here's the cool thing. Everyone can be generous. Why? Because everyone has a life. So if you just live your life for others, you are being generous. And that's what generosity is all about. That's what God did. And I love this. There's a verse. It's a very obscure verse that is in a very obscure book. And we say it's a book because that's what we call all these different parts of the Bible. It's actually a letter. It is a letter, a personal letter that Paul wrote to somebody. So it's very, very short. It's only one chapter. And it's called Philemon. And he was writing this to Philemon who was a guy who was the host of the church of the Colossians. So if you've ever read the book of Colossians, that was a house church, and they met in Philemon's house. And there was a situation that Paul was dealing with, and he's appealing 
to Philemon, and he says this to him. He says, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from where? Your faith. How does it come from your faith? As you understand and experience what? All the good things we have in Christ. So, he, so Paul was saying, that's where the generosity comes from. It comes from the full understanding of, oh my goodness, do you realize what God has given you? We have an incredible, incredible gift. So here's what we're going to do today. I personally, this is, what I, this is what I believe about Jesus. If Jesus would have come in this day and time, he'd have been a movie guy. Thousand percent. Thousand percent he would have been a movie guy. You know why? Because what Jesus was so good at was he was so good at taking God's word and putting it into story form and telling stories that people could understand because some people had a hard time understanding what God's word said. So rather than just sit down and just read straight out of God's word, he would tell stories and he would say, the kingdom of God is like a farmer sowing seeds. The kingdom of God is like an ox that's treading out the grain. The kingdom of God is like a man who went to visit a friend. All these different things because he knew that people can get on board with stories. So if he was alive today, he would 100% be a movie person. I'm going to tell you what, some of the best daggum movies are Christmas movies. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take, we're going to go into the fridge. We're going to pull little leftovers out of Pastor Luke and Dave's messages. And we're going to blend them up with a little bit of Christmas movie and see if we can sort of drive home even deeper this point of generosity. So first I'm going to go to Luke's message. And I love this. At the very end of Luke's message, he said, hey, here, let me sum everything up for you. I'm a simple man. I like things in simple terms. And he said this, we all have a decision to make. Every day we can be a plus or a minus to the people in our life. Every day. So that's, so that's a decision that you and I make when it comes to generosity in our life. Every day we can be a plus or a minus. And as I thought about that, I thought about the ultimate Christmas movie, which is A Christmas Carol. Which if you didn't know, this one is the best one. Amen. Thank you. If you disagree, you can see me later. Patrick Stewart is the bomb. I mean, he is, I just share an affinity with him. I don't know what it is. It could be that there's nothing underneath that hat, but whatever it is, he and I are like compadres. Like I love the way he portrays that Scrooge character. But if ever there was a good example of what Luke was talking about, it would be Scrooge. Because if ever there was an example of somebody who was a minus in every single life he ever got around, it would be Scrooge. I mean, Scrooge was the richest man in the whole town, and yet he was lonely and miserable. He had nobody in his life. But he's given this incredible gift, and the gift that he's given is a God's eye view of his life. And so God takes Scrooge back to his past, and he says, Scrooge, let me show you what happened. Here's what happened in your past. And Scrooge hasn't thought about what happened in his past because he doesn't want to think about what happened in his past. And what he learns when he looks back in his past is he remembers how hard and how cruel his father was. Because you see, Scrooge, when he was born, his mother died giving birth to him. So his father hated him for it. And his father never wanted to have anything to do with him. So he sent him away to boarding school during the school season. And during the summers, he wouldn't allow him to come home. He said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Your mother died and it's your fault. I don't want nothing to do with you. 
So, of course, he just becomes this, this, this hardened person, right? Because what child can handle the rejection of a parent? None. So he does what any child does. He just puts up the walls and pretends like it's okay and it doesn't matter. And I don't need him anyway. And he goes about his life thinking that that's in the past. Time heals all wounds. I'll be all right. Can I tell you that those things are probably some of the things that trip more people up than anything else I've ever seen in my life? When you sit down to do marriage counseling with people, you know where all of their issues come from, all of them, a thousand percent, all the way back to the childhood, the home that they grew up in. And let me just go ahead and put us all on the even thing, okay? All of us got messed up houses, everybody. I used to tell my kids, I said, y'all need to start keeping a journal. All right, and there's going to be some things that happen in this house. You just need to write them down so that later on when you go to counseling, you can say, right there, that's what happened right there. <laughs> Wrote it down. My dad told me to write it down when I was young. It was when I got that spanking. It was when my dad yelled at me. You know, all those different kind of things right there. But it's crazy because we all see things a different way. You can, you can go back into a household where there's three or four siblings and talk to all of the siblings about what it was like growing up. They'll all give you a different story. They all have a completely different version of what life was like growing up in that home. And for some of them, it might have been the most awesome, amazing childhood ever. And for some of them, it might have been absolutely horrendous, according to them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. What matters is what it does on the inside of the person. What it did for Scrooge is it caused him to live his life like this, with his hands closed. And his whole life now becomes about getting anything that he can. And what he doesn't realize, he's doing it. He's not doing it on purpose, but he's trying to fill that empty void on the inside that was never nurtured, that was never loved, that was never cared for. And he just can't do it. And so then they take him to Christmas present. And when he comes into Christmas present, he sees other people and how their lives are. And they're full of life. They're, they're loving each other. They're having fun. They're throwing parties. They're having dances. They're celebrating. They're loving. They're laughing. They're smiling. And then you can see it start to crack him. He's like, man, I want that. I want that. But the sad reality is he's not experiencing it. And he's wasted all this time that he could have been building those relationships to do that with those people. But he's burned those bridges. He's just been mean and greedy and selfish. That's why I love what uh, Pastor Luke said in that first weekend. He said, look, money's not the answer. He said, if you're selfish when you don't have money, you're going to be selfish when you have money. Money doesn't fix that. If anything, it makes it worse. So Scrooge experiences that, and then the ultimate, he's carried to. Let me show you where this ends, Scrooge. Where this ends is you're going to die miserable and alone. And nobody's going to care. Not because they're ugly people, but because you chose to do life alone. You chose to do life without them. You chose to pull everything into yourself to get all the riches, amass all the wealth that you can at the cost of the people around you. And you just don't care, so they just don't care. And then he's given this incredible gift. A chance to start over. And he wakes up and realizes that he has now seen his past and his presence and what his future could be. But he determines, that is not going to be my future because now I get it. Now I see. Now I understand. It's not about the wealth. It's not about the things. It's not about the riches. It's about people. I just, I just want to love people. I want to get back in with people. And he does. And according to the story, he became the most generous man in the whole town. 
And now the, all the rest of his life is all about doing everything he can for everybody else, especially little tiny Tim, right? So now he has this, this place, he hits this crossroads where he makes this choice that I'm going to go from a minus to a plus. You can do the same thing. We can all do the same thing. We make those choices every single day. So that was Pastor Luke's message, which I thought was just absolutely phenomenal. And then we go another week ahead. We're going to go back into the refrigerator again, clank the ketchup bottles around a little bit, reach back there into Pastor Dave's message. Pastor Dave was talking about generosity, and he was using the story of Joseph. And unlike Scrooge, Joseph was just a young boy who had a dream in his heart. God gave him the dream. And the dream that God gave him was one day you are going to be great. You're going to be so great that even your own family is going to bow down to you. And like any young boy would do, he immediately went out and told his family, one day y'all going to bow down to me. And they didn't take that too well. His own brothers sell him into slavery. And so now Joseph's life becomes this weird cycle. This weird thing of where he's got this dream that God had given him. God said, you're going to be great one day. And yet all he can see is, man, I can't catch a break. His brothers sell him into slavery, and yet he becomes a great slave. He becomes a slave to Potiphar. He was, he's so good that Potiphar said, hey, man, you can run my whole house. And he's probably thinking, this is it. This is where I'm going to get on board with this thing. This is what God was talking about. And then along comes Potiphar's wife. Miss Lucy Goosey, if you were here last weekend. <laughs> and she tries to get this strapping, young, handsome man to go to the bedouin or the boudoir, the boudoir with her. And he, and he refuses. He rejects her. And then she lies and makes up a story and said, oh, look what he did. He tried to have his way with me. So now he's thrown back into prison. So now he's back in prison. He's thinking, I, what is going on, God? Well, you did give me that dream, right? That, that, that was you. You did give me that dream. And now he finds himself in prison. Are you catching something? Like he's never owned anything so far. He hasn't had a thing. When you get sold into slavery, you don't own anything. Everybody owns you. So he has nothing. He still has nothing. He finally starts getting a little bit in Potiphar's house. Now all that's taken away. Now he's in prison again. But again, he does so good that the jailer, the guy in charge of the prison, like, man, you're good. Dude, you can have the run in a place. Like you, I mean, how good can run in a prison be, right? But at least he's got this opportunity to be good to kind of showcase who he is. And then there's this guy that has this dream while he's in prison. He's a cupbearer. And he's been thrown in prison just because Pharaoh got mad at him. And he's telling Joseph, man, I had this weird dream last night. And he goes, well, tell me what it is. Because he said, I serve an awesome God, and he will probably tell you what that dream means. So the cupbearer says, here's my dream. And Joseph goes, oh, I know exactly what that means. That means Pharaoh's going to restore you to your position in the palace. He's like, man, that's awesome. That's fantastic. And Joseph's like, hey, now just do me a favor, all right? When you get there, tell Pharaoh, hey, there's a strapping, handsome young man in prison that is just amazing. And, he, and he's the one that told me that this would happen. So the cupbearer gets called back up into Pharaoh's service and immediately forgets all about Joseph. For two more years... And Joseph, again, is just like, God, I can't, I can't catch a break. So when I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about the whole thing of, of having a dream in your heart, what, what, let me just test your Christmas movie skills. A young man with a dream in his heart to one day do something great and just can't catch a break. 
Who? It's a wonderful life, baby. Thank you. It's a wonderful life. That is the whole movie. So it's a wonderful life. Now you've got George Bailey. He's not like Scrooge at all. As a matter of fact, he's quite the opposite. He's very nice. He's very kind. A super kind guy. But he's got a dream in his heart. He's always had it since he was a little boy. Since he was a little boy, he said, man, I am going to travel the world and do great things. I'm going to get out of this, this little town right here, this little tiny Bedford Falls town I live in, and boy, I'm going to make a name. I'm going to do some things that are just going to be so good for people, but he can't catch a break. Every time he turns around, he's having to do something to help somebody else, and it always comes at the cost of his dream. Every single time. Every single time the door opens and he starts to walk through it and there is, his dream is right there. And then somebody else comes across his path with a need and he always chooses to meet their need and it shuts the door to his dream. Every single time. Every single time. Well, after a while, you just get tired of it. I mean, he's, he's running this measly little Bailey building and loan. His name is George Bailey. And the building and loan barely makes enough money to pay him and three staff people. That's it. I mean, they are barely making it. He lives in an old rundown house. He drives a jalopy car, and he can't buy his family the nice things he wants to get them. And he just gets more and more and more frustrated and aggravated. You ever thought, why do bad things happen to good people? That's George. Did you ever think, I just can't catch a break? That's George. Did you ever think, why do I keep doing all this good because it doesn't seem to be coming back my way? That's George. That was his life. But again, unlike Scrooge, he's not, he's not a miser. He's not stingy. That job belongs to Potter. Potter is the evil banker in the town whose sole desire is to own the whole town. He loves money and he loves power and he wants every bit of it he can get. And this daggum George Bailey is a thorn in his saddle. Every time he turns around, every time he tries to make a power grab, George steps in the way. He's, he's helping these poor working class people build houses and Potter's like, no, I want to build them a house. I'll build the houses so they can rent them from me. I don't want them to own anything. Man, that sounds familiar. You'll own nothing and like it. Huh. If you don't know what that means, check it out. If you don't know what that means, check it out. If you do know what that means, never mind. Gosh, that's called, that's called a rabbit trail. So, so, so George is in this position, and if you remember one of the things that Dave said in his message, he said, hey, the greater the dream, the greater the threat. So Joseph has this great dream in his heart of what happens. Potiphar's wife comes along and tries to offer him a shortcut. Hey, if you just sleep with me, I can, I can give you that dream. Sleep with me and I'll put in a good word for you with Potiphar. Don't worry, I won't tell him. I'll, I'll put in such a good word for you. He'll, he'll elevate you even higher than you are right now. What is it that you want? I can give it to you. Well, when George hits one of his lowest points, Potter comes to him and says, Hey, George, how'd you like to come to work for me? Here's what your starting salary will be. And the starting salary was probably more than George had made in all of his years of working in that building and loan. He's going to get that every year, annually. He said, you wouldn't mind traveling to nice places, would you, George? Buying your family nice things? Getting a brand new car? Living in the nice house in town? You wouldn't mind that, would you, George? And George is like, man, wouldn't I? 
the nicest house in town, a brand new car, traveling. You don't know. That's my dream. My dream is to travel, to go around the world. And Potter says, well, let's shake on it. And he shakes Potter's hand. And as soon as he touches that hand, he's like, dog it. And he says, no. Again, the dream was right there, right there. And he says, no. But then tragedy hits because, again, George becomes falsely accused of embezzling money from the building and loan. He gets set up. And now he owes all this money. He didn't do it, but Potter set it up to look like he did. And now he ends up going back to Potter again, but this time he's begging him for money. He's got his little life insurance policy, a little whole life policy that doesn't have much anything in it. He says, I I need your help. Like, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose everything. And, of course, Potter says, get out. But before he says get out, he says this, Man, George, you're worth more dead than alive. And George gets this crazy thought. I could help my family. Rather than going away and going to prison and losing everything, at least if I weren't here, they would have the money that they would need to keep on going. So he goes and contemplates taking his life, and he's about to do it. And again, he's given a wonderful gift, just like Scrooge. God sends an angel, stops him. And as he's having this conversation with George, George says to the angel, he says, man, let me just tell you. And he doesn't know he's an angel. It's this little funny little guy named Clarence. He thinks Clarence is just a kook. He doesn't think he's an angel. But he says to Clarence, he says, you know what, Clarence? I wish I'd never been born. And Clarence thinks for a minute. Hmm. How do I get George to understand the difference that he's making? Because he doesn't see it. You've never been born. That's a great idea. He says, you know what, George? Boom, got your wish. You have never been born. And so now George goes back to town to see what life would be like without him. He's never existed, never been born. And the first thing he realizes is Bedford Falls doesn't exist. It's not called Bedford Falls anymore. It's called Pottersville because Potter owns the whole thing. And there's no life and love and laughter. It's just darkness. Is people gambling and getting drunk and getting in fights. And he starts seeing the people that he knows that he loves that he grew up with. Bert, the, the cop, Ernie, the taxi driver, super jovial, full of life, fun-loving guys. And man, they're hard. They're just hard and they're cynical. And then he goes to his own mother's house. And of course, she's like, I don't know you. I'm not your mother. And when he has this encounter with her, she's just bitter. And then he, he tracks down who would have been his wife, Mary, and he finds her, and she's just, she's just, just isolated, shy, reclusive a person who never got married. He's like, no, 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 that's, that's not my Mary. She's full of life. She's the life of the party. Like, everybody wants to be around Mary because Mary just brings all this life with her, and he's looking at her, and she's just a shell of a person. And he's trying to figure this out. He's like... I, I don't get it. And Clarence says, well, well, George, this is because you were never born. Like, you don't realize that your kindness towards these people, your helping these people, your presence in their life, your sacrifice, sacrificing your dream for them, that's what kept the life in Bedford Falls. That's what kept the love. That's what kept the joy. That's what kept the laughter. You were so focused on what you couldn't do, you couldn't see what you were doing. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was when he went to find his children. Clarence said, well, you're not going to find them because they don't exist. They were never born. 
And so George has given us wonderful, wonderful gift, a chance to see what the world would be like without him. And I can tell you, none of us, none of us have a clue of the impact that our life makes on others. You would be shocked. You Maybe you've had that crazy thought. Maybe you thought, you know what? People wouldn't even notice if I was gone. It is just not true. You know, if I just went ahead and just took myself out of this whole equation, nobody would even care. And it is just not true. It's a lie from the enemy to try to get you to shortcut the process that God has you in. That was the other part of Dave's message. He said what Joseph didn't realize is God had him in a process. And he could have bailed out with Potiphar's wife. He could have rose a a big stink whenever the cupbearer didn't remember him. Maybe he could have sort of twisted and just pitched a fit and got in front of Pharaoh whenever the cupbearer forgot who he was. But he would have been shortcutting the process. And I love what Dave said. He said, let me ask you this. Do you want to be in a process where you can hold up a cup? Or do you want to be in a process where you can hold up a nation? Joseph would end up holding up a nation because he just embraced the process and chose to trust God. George Bailey ends up doing the same thing. He begs God. He said, God, please send me back. Send me back. I don't, I don't care if I go to jail for 30 years. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't want this town to be what it is. I want it full of the life and the love and the laughter that I know. I want my children to be born. I don't care if my family's in an old rundown house and I don't care if I got to kick the door shut on my car to get it to stick. It just doesn't matter. All that matters are my family and my friends and God sends him back. And when a town finds out that George is in trouble financially, every one of them come to his house and give out of whatever little bit they have to more than pay for the money that he owed back to the bank. To which his brother made the comment at the end of the movie, to George Bailey, the richest man in Bedford Falls. We're all rich. We're all rich. Just don't think money when I say that. Because it's not about money. When Christ came, he had nothing. The greatest act of generosity was when Christ came on that December night into a dark, cold world with absolutely nothing. And he would live a life of absolutely trusting God. He didn't live a life of luxury and excess and wealth financially. But he did live a life of excess in terms of generosity. His whole life wherever he went and whatever he did was about giving of who he was to everybody that he met. That is true generosity. So just like George and just like Scrooge, you and I have been given a wonderful gift. And I want to describe it to you. It comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Can anybody say hallelujah, amen, praise God to that? Thank you. Yes, you are a new person. The old life is gone, praise Jesus. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And now watch this. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. So we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Now here's what I want to do. This is the point of the message where normally you would issue a challenge based on what we just heard, based on what we just read. I don't want to do that this morning. What I want to do this morning is I want to celebrate your generosity. Because here's the biggest comment. I've been a part of Cathedral since 1990. We've had several membership processes, and and right now our membership process uh, is the growth track. That is the next step for anything that you want to do at Cathedral. And the cool thing about that is this is where you meet people who are new to Cathedral. And what we always do is we say, hey, what was it like the first time you came to Cathedral? Everybody always says the same thing. I felt like I was home. Now, they don't mean I felt like I was home like in my house that I grew up in. What they meant was I felt like I was in a place that, that loved me. I felt like I was in a place that, that was for me. Like they're so generous. They're so kind. They're so, they're so loving. It was just so warm and welcoming. That's not just because of a few staff people that we have here at Cathedral. That's because of you. You set that atmosphere. And so I just want to prove that to you by giving you a few stats. Number one would be you being generous with your time because you are so generous with your time that every single Sunday we get 490 volunteer hours to pull off these services. Greeters at the door, people in the cafe, people rocking babies, people doing church services for the children upstairs. Every single Sunday, 490 volunteer hours. Yeah, thank you. That's, yeah, that deserves an applause. And then, because you're generous with your resources, we were able to feed throughout the course of the year 28,025 individuals through the Impact Center. Yes. And then the cherry on top was, hey, let's just go ahead and give 537 families a Thanksgiving dinner that they couldn't otherwise afford. That is, yeah, heck yeah, man. Give an applause. Give an applause. And then here's my favorite. Because you guys are so generous with your love, lives have forever been changed. This year alone, we had 92 people complete our growth track and make that decision to become a part of the cathedral family. 158 people were water baptized this year, and over 450 people raised their hand to say, I want to give my life to this generous God that you serve at cathedral. Amen. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Stand with me. Well, that's our Thanksgiving leftover Christmas appetizer generosity message for today. And I just want to I just want to draw your awareness to this. Kind of use Scrooge and George Bailey as your scale to find out where you're at. Nobody in here, I don't believe, is an Ebenezer Scrooge, okay? If you were, you wouldn't be here, all right? But maybe there is something about your life that that is just, maybe there's something from your past. Maybe something happened and it just causes you to to live your life closed-handed. Maybe there's just something about you that you're constantly feeling like you need to, to pull from others to get around you to make you be okay when God has said, what my son did makes you okay. 
You can't get any more okay. And maybe you just need to be a little bit more open-handed and giving towards others. I mean, you want, you want to be blessed? You want to get a blessing? Give a blessing. Bless somebody else. You can't get any more blessed than being a blessing to somebody else. That's some of you. I think the majority of us would be over here with George Bailey, where we really don't understand how big of an impact our life makes. Every kind word that you say, every kind action that you do, every opportunity that you say no to something that you really, really want to do so that you can be a part of doing something for somebody else, that's the process that God has you in. He says, man, well done. You know that's what my son did? Because when he came to this earth, he came to this earth to 100% live for everybody else. So the more that you do that, the more you're looking just like him, just like him. So wherever you are on that scale, dial it up and then just do this. Say, God, I know that I'm okay. I know that I'm right with you. I know that I'm good with you. Jesus, thank you for being so generous to me. And because you've been so generous to me, I'm going to be generous to others. So as you head into December, as you head into Christmas, don't get caught up in all the junk and all the arguing, all the big. Just look around you. Look at your neighbors. Look at your friends. Look at your coworkers. And just find a way to be kind, to be nice, and to be generous. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you guys. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.